Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And this is the show where we talk about what's new and what's next and what's working right now in e-commerce. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and Two Minute Crash Course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. I am delighted about my guest today. She came to me highly recommended. Lots of people said, you have to talk to Joanna. She knows her stuff. And so we're talking today about uh, the impact that visuals make on your shopping experience. We're going to talk web design, going to talk packaging design. It's going to be awesome. Um, I guess today is Joanna Galveo. She's the co-founder and creative director for GIF Design Studios. She's in Portugal, which is the first time I've ever had someone from Portugal on the show, which is super exciting. Uh, first, learned about Joanna from Ezra, my buddy Ezra. So, uh, Joanna and her team did some design work for Boom by Cindy Joseph. They did the one-click upsell design work for them. And then more recently, worked with Elena Mitchell, skincare by Elena Mitchell, with my good buddy Jared. And so I think he's actually the one that made the, the intro. Uh, but Joanna also spoke at TNC, which I was also a speaker at. And we said we were going to connect. And we didn't because we we're both crazy busy while we were there. But anyway, with that intro... Uh, excited to welcome Joanna Galveo to the call. Joanna, thank you for coming on. Really excited about this chat. Yes, me too. Thank you for having me, Brett. Yeah, you bet. So uh, obviously we're going to talk about how design impacts e-commerce, you know, from packaging to web design and really, really just excited to see your perspective. And we, when we did the prep, I was kind of blown away by a couple of things that you shared. So excited to get into that. Uh, but I think it would also be helpful. Uh, give your background just really quickly. Like how did you get into this game? How did you get into e-commerce? Give us the, the quick story, if you would. Mm, yeah, sure. Well, um, it all started with me designing birthday party invitations because I thought that if they were really well designed, more of my friends would come. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I think that's is that very true? Did, did you split test that and, and <laughs> birthday attendance? <laughs> yeah, I checked. I, I can confirm that my birthday attendants have more than my sisters. That's <laughs> uh, so important. Good. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> but I think that like now that I look back, I think that's where my my obsession with how design influences behavior started. I went on to study it um, at university where I met my husband. And 
when I got into the workforce, really, really quickly realized that that wasn't for me. And so 10 months into having my own job, I quit and I started what is now Gift Design Studios. Awesome. And then you had a, a pretty big name client kind of right out of the gate, a guy that I actually, quick funny story, spoke at the same event as this guy did in 2009 in St. Louis. This was like, this was Lewis Howes before he was Lewis Howes. Um, And now he just exploded and and massive and a really, really cool guy. Uh, But how did, uh, how did you start working with him? Hmm. Yeah, 2009. Wow. Yeah. I wonder where he was doing then. What was he doing? LinkedIn. It was like all the LinkedIn stuff and and teaching people how to succeed on LinkedIn and had some info Mm -hmm. courses and stuff like that. And it was doing great with it, but yeah, just, just kind of getting started in the game. Yeah, well, so um, I started when when I decided that when I realized that I wasn't made to have a boss and wanted to, it, it was it wasn't even that I didn't like having a boss. It was that I wanted to have the last say on the design that yes. went to the client, yes. and I wanted to pick and choose the projects that I was working on. So that was my driving force behind starting this, and you know. I, I was 22 when I started the agency. I had no idea how to get clients. So, you know, you go online these days. Well, <laughs> five years ago, that's what we would do. We still do today, of course. And I found this YouTube channel, um, Marie Forleo. Um, I don't know if you've heard of her. Uh-uh. And she has this online course called B-School. And in B-School, which is just a basic eight-week online course on how to start your online business, she suggests that you reach out to an influencer and do kind of free work for them uh, to get a testimonial and just to get the ball rolling, get some credibility. And I decided to reach out to this woman called Selena Sue. She was a publicist for Danielle Laporte. She knew Lewis House. She had worked with Ramit Sethi as well. So I was like, well, she's not quite as big as Lewis, but she knows everyone. Yeah, yeah. So I reached out to her. I told her I'd do free work. Next thing I know, I'm jumping on a plane to New York to volunteer for her as an assistant for a whole week, which she thought was bananas. <laughs> She's like, you're really going to fly all the way to New York to work for me for free. But I told her, I was like, I'm, I'm honest, like you're a great entrepreneur. And I think that, you know, being a quote unquote apprentice for you for a week will teach me a ton. So I'm willing to do whatever you want. You know, if you want me to go get you Starbucks and get the laundry. Um, And, and then when I was there, she had a two year business anniversary party that I was going to volunteer at. But by the time. Did you you make the, did you make the invitations? That's what I I have to know. Did you design (laughs) the birthday party with all of your split testing experience as a kid? (laughs) Uh, I wish that would have okay. made for a really <laughs> an even better layer to the story, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just a Facebook event. But by the time that party came around, she, we had hung out so many hours that she was now considered me a friend. And she said, I'm going to find someone else to assist at the party. You're going to come as a guest. And she introduced every, uh, she introduced me to everyone as um Here's Joanna. She's a phenomenal freelance graphic designer. And at that wow. party was Lewis House, Ramit Sethi, Jim Quick, all these names. Um, yeah. And that's how that's how I got Lewis yeah. House and what? Eric Halpern. 
clients. What an amazing entrepreneurial story. So you were willing and, and, and the, your assessment was perfect. If I just hang out with this person, I'll go get their coffee. I'll do the dry cleaning, but I will learn so much from it and get connected with people. Uh, that's awesome. And I think that's the sign of a true entrepreneur. So really, really glad mm-hmm. I asked that. And thanks for yeah. sharing. It's super, super cool. Of course. Um, but you know, like it's funny. Every time I tell the story now, I'm like, hmm, I should do this again sometime soon. I should like go yeah. apprentice for someone, see right. who else I could meet. <laughs> and I think this apply this applies to e-commerce as well. You know, find an influencer, find someone you want to connect with and figure it out. Like be willing to do something kind of crazy and unusual to connect with them. And and I think the worst case is you have a really interesting experience. Uh, and then, then the best case is you get a dream client or you get a dream influencer relationship or these huge doors open for your business. I just think it's, it's, it's worth the effort, worth the risk. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you another quick one is that a client of ours, an e-commerce client of ours, she just, she reached out to the now who, whoever runs the owner of Ugg Boots. Oh yeah. And okay. asked if she could buy him lunch. And I, I guess she, she had, uh, she was connected with him in some way and he accepted. And um, I think he gave her loads of advice over lunch, which, you know, you, you wouldn't really think to ask someone for lunch. Yeah. It's so freaking consulting, but you never, you never know if they're going to say yes. You certainly will not get them to say yes if you don't ask. And always helps have some kind of connection. Sounds like she maybe had a little bit in, so it wasn't a completely cold email, but... But still, gutsy to ask, and and I think that's just that's a sign of someone who's going to be a good entrepreneur, and and, and you got to be willing to get out of that comfort zone. So that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, good. Well, I know after your TNC presentation, you were mobbed, and everybody like I want to work with Joanna and and gift design. So <laughs> really excited for you about that. Uh, but let's just dive right in. So we got lots of topics we're going to dig into, and really looking at how visuals influence behavior, and especially with e-commerce, but you talked to me as we were kind of prepping, talked about the branding triad. So can you, can mm-hmm. you explain what is the triad? Why is that important? Why would you think about it? Sure. So um, I came up with this through like five years of branding companies and seeing like what really moves the needle. And I think there are three core things that uh, need to work in unison I think that's the important word there, unison, um, and it's uh, your vision. That's where you want to go, the actions uh, your brand will take. That's your voice. So what you say, what you sound like, the tone of your copy, and your visuals. And I think what we'll find often is that the vision and the voice will be aligned um, and they're communicating the same thing, but the visuals are almost like an afterthought. And I think a lot of um, e-commerce owners, uh, and you know, this is like when you're starting out, great, like just in, invest in copy and strategy, sure, and, and a design that will get you by. But I think what happens is most often is there is a disconnect. Right, the first visual impression is not exactly what your copy is saying or what your promise of the product is. Maybe you're promising that your product is the best in the market and that's why it has like a high price tag and so it's very premium and your customer service is a very premium experience. But if the website doesn't look premium, then that's not it's not gonna create that trust. Um and you know, I think there was a there was a study where, um, and I can't, uh, 
off the top of my head remember the study's reference, but it was 46% of people said that a website design was the number one criterion for discerning the credibility of the company. And that's before they even read the copy. Wow. That's interesting. And it's one of those things too that I, I, I imagine people have sometimes a hard time articulating when copy doesn't line up with visuals. So the story of the company, maybe even the quality of the product, when it doesn't line up with visuals, people may have a hard time articulating that discrepancy, but but there's mm-hmm. something that's going to be off. They'll say it doesn't feel like it's high enough quality or, or it yes. feels like it's too cheap or it feels too expensive, it feels whatever. And so, mm-hmm. uh, but but that discrepancy is huge and and people will bail if if the visuals aren't correct. And so, Let's kind of unpack yeah, like, yeah, on, on that. So my favorite part of my talk was uh, something that I worked uh, for, for a little bit with my team, which was we created these fake products okay. and made um, like there was a shampoo bottle. One of them we made it look expensive and the other one uh, cheap. And we did the same thing with the coffee uh, packaging and with a cookie packaging. And so I put these two products up on the screen and I asked the audience, which one would you say is more expensive? And in unison, instantly they'll shout out like, hey, um, or the one on the right. And and then I'll, I'll go through the products. And at the end, I get to tell them, you know, that was the same exact logo, same exact copy. And you all made the same assumption in wow. a split. Wow. So same logo, same copy. It was just the design elements around mm-hmm. it. So it was the, in the, in this case, yeah. the, the example you share at TNC, these, this was all product packaging. Is that right? Yes. It was all product packaging. Yeah. Nice. We're making these assumptions on a daily basis. When you walk down the supermarket, I, why did you pick one product over the other? You, you'd be surprised at how many assumptions your brain is making based on, you know, the color, the material, the, the, how it's laid out. If there's a lot of white space or not, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's happening at a subconscious level. It is. And it really, it's a time saver. Think about it. Like if you had to, you know, if you're, you're deciding on what, you know, what baking soda to buy at the grocery store, something like that to have to pick up each thing and, read all the details and, you know, maybe you start looking up the website to Google and see, you know, like we don't take the time for that for a lot of purchases, more of a feel, more of an impulse and more of a, how does this, is this, does this resonate with what I want from baking soda? Maybe that's a really bad example, but uh, (laughs) does does this, does this speak to me? Is this what I'm looking for? And a lot of those decisions are made subconsciously, which is, which is super, super interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And you know what what plays um, a big role in that um, is color. Yeah. So uh, there was a study done by Procter and Gamble where they so fascinating, yeah. <laughs> where they um, they gave a group of housewives three different washing powders to try because they were um, their hypothesis was well or what they were testing is if we and, added and so little la- color laundry detergent right laundry detergent is what you're talking about yeah yes. Yeah. Washing washing so powders, washing. Your European term, I think. Just so just oh, so the that, US really? Yeah. We call it laundry detergent, you know, but it's it's all good. So just just clarifying. Yep. Yeah. Oh God. You know, like I I had um this has been something that's come up multiple times in my rehearsal process when I was rehearsing for this talk. Like <laughs> 
I guess so. I was told that washing powder is American. I guess not. Is that right? I, well, who I am I to say? I've always heard laundry detergent. <laughs> I don't even do my own laundry, so I don't know. So uh, I now there's all you know. Now they come in liquid or in capsule form. Like there's all sorts. We need, um, we need, but they want information. I may have totally led you astray. I've always called it laundry detergent. Anyway, we, I think we all know washing powder, laundry, just the stuff you use to wash clothes. That's where we're headed. So yeah, and this is in the 1950s. Bear in mind. Okay. Um, so they wanted to test that if by adding little colored pellets, um, it could drive up their sales. Yep. And so they gave uh, the group of housewives uh, one with little red pellets, one with yellow, and the other one with blue. Now, there was, when the results came back, they were astounded that the, the housewives, um, even though they were testing it in their own home, you know, not really sharing results with each other, they found the same exact differences. And what they found was that the feedback from testing the red was that it was a really strong product, but so much so that they were scared to use the box until the end for fear that it was going to ruin their clothes. The mm. yellow was, um, it didn't get a very good feedback. It was like, yeah, it just doesn't, didn't clean very well. But the blue, oh, the blue. The blue is an all-around favorite. They said that by far it cleans the best and it smells the best. Wow. All the same product. All, all the same the detergent. Same. The only difference is just all a little bit same. of color. All the yeah. same. Fascinating. Yeah. Yellow did not work at all. Red was too strong. Scared of it. Blue was perfect. And blue even smelled better. Yeah. Awesome. And so, like, for your audience, I, I would challenge them next time you're in the supermarket, just look at the, the you know, detergent aisle and, and see what you can find. You will mostly find red in, uh, you know, maybe the logo to show that the product is strong and it works. And then blue and green, because later they found green had very similar results to the blue throughout the rest of the packaging. Interesting. I'm I'm just convinced, and I think this is this is similar. Where, uh, well, just tell a quick story. So recently, I was in Seattle. I got to go to the the Amazon headquarters and meet with our Amazon ad reps. It was a lot of fun. But went to the Starbucks Reserve uh, tasting room thing, and so yeah. di way different than all of the Starbucks. They just roast small batch coffees at, on site. <laughs> it's only available at this store. But they had this process where you could buy this flight of coffees, like three different coffees from three different regions. And then they had chocolates that they paired with the coffee. And so the, the, in this case, it was a guy that, that gave me and, and one of my employees this, this flight. And so he's like explaining the coffee and what notes we should taste and why the chocolate was selected to go with the coffee. And it was amazing. Like it tasted so good. But I wonder if the presentation had been different or if it had been sloppy or if it had been in a different environment how the stuff would have tasted. Like I'm just, I'm confident once I heard the explanation and there was the excitement and the, just the whole aura of it, I'm confident it even impacted the taste of it. Yeah. And, and there's, there was this, uh, there was another experiment done where they, a group of wine experts were blind tasting, uh, not blind, well, blind tasting, but they could see the color of the wine. Um, and just by adding little colorings, tasteless colorings to the wines, they could, um, taste different undertones, but really that was your eyes tricking them. Interesting. So interesting. Um, cool. So, so thoughts then on how do we, how do we apply that to an e-commerce store? How do, how do they think about colors? How do they uh, decide what is the right color for them or right color scheme advice or tips on that? Mm -hmm. So like, 
um, normally we take our clients through a, a five-step process. And the first step, like, this is like your base. Um, I would suggest not going further without having this very clear is your strategy, right? And in, in the branding triad, that's like your vision, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what, who's your target audience? What do you, what is your brand promising? Um, because without getting really clear on those things, you know, how are you going to know um, what colors to pick or what to make it look like? So just get very clear on that first. And then the second step would be to, to get your brand identity done. Um, now, I wish I could tell everyone to just, you know, like, here's the secret formula to finding out your colors. <laughs> like, exactly. We yeah. designers studied this for years. But what I will say is that if you want to be smart with your budgets, then where I would invest the most is for a creative director to create some form of like brand board where they're getting clear on the colors, the general look and feel of the design, um, but they're not really doing the design. So it's like an, a good creative director will cost a lot per hour, but you will only need a couple of hours for them to create something that then a cheaper designer can follow. So if they can give you like the main colors that your brand should have, the general like concept, whether your brand is going to like for Elena Mitchell to give that. uh, So it's a skincare brand and and we wanted it to have that personable, approachable feel. So the logo was like a signature. If I was just doing that um, brand board, I would have, just grabbed a reference from somewhere online and and say and and tell them like I think your logo should be like a signature, but I'm not really doing the work. Right, right. Giving so this is where I would yeah. So this is where I would invest um, if we're trying to be like smart with our budgets. And so the colors, the general look and feel, the fonts, and then get someone else to execute on that. Um, so that's like the second step is the brand identity. But then when we're going into the e-commerce website, um, which is like what, so what we did for Elena Mitchell is we first split tested the homepage with a different user experience as well and a different uh, layout and, um, and design. And we had a 286% conversion increase. So cool. Yeah, we got to see that on our end. So we, were, we were on the traffic for that site. So we got to see that on our end as well, which is really cool. Yeah, I was, I was one away too. I mean, I, I knew that it had to be better, but I wasn't expecting that. Um, and so what were third, some of the, any, any takeaways there on, on you don't have to get into specifics there, you know, just for Alina Mitchell, but things you thought of, like as you're trying to make the UX better, make that, that homepage experience better? Mm-hmm. How do you approach that? Um, so, gosh, I can't remember, it, like... Because it's so, you know, for me, it's so intuitive, like what I'll, what I'll need to right, do. But right, um, right. I know that one of the things that I see uh, going wrong is like the call to action color is not, um, and the buttons just don't pop out enough. Right. And there's right. like, this whole thing uh, going around a couple of years ago that like, you know, your buttons had to be red because it had to. It had been split tested, and red was the best color for the buttons. But then, when you go look at what was actually tested, was a website that was all green. Titles were green, photos were green, buttons were green. So of course, the buttons were blending yeah. into the background. And then when they changed it to red, they saw dramatically dramatical increase in conversions. But 
if your website's all red, then having a red button is going to hurt your conversion. Yes. So it's, yes. it's more about contrast. Yep. Makes, um, makes sense. Yeah. And, and just knowing like, so for, for Elena Mitchell, we, we got, we did a, a session that we, you can, this, your audience can do with their team is just what do cold audiences need to know? And in what order mm. to know that we're the right ones for them? Got it. Because skincare by Elena Mitchell, it's like the, uh, their customers, they want to know that they can trust um, the brand because there's a lot of big cosmetic brands that they don't really have a face. So there's not that sense of responsibility and, you know, um, putting natural products into the, into the products and not using harmful chemicals and all of that. But by having um, Elena as the face of the brand, there's like an, an automatic, it's yes. like an innate sense of trust, right? Sure. She's very, she's very so, trustworthy. She presents well on, video just yeah and and i think she's like the perfect fit for this industry as well for her industry which is which is great yeah so we had to bring that like that had to be the first thing right because that was the main feedback that they were getting that their customers were choosing elena mitchell over other brands and and so it's like knowing these things well if that's the thing that number one thing that gets them to buy from us well then let's have that front and center the other thing was they um, they found out that they were doing the most sales over the phone, but their phone was really small and hidden. And uh, one of the things that Jared told me that I was I was really surprised in the call was that um, the phone they weren't salespeople they were estheticians on the phone. Yeah, and I was like, wow, that is so valuable. That is not anywhere. Yep. Like I had no idea that that was on. That was um, who was behind the, the phone, right? Because right. I would have put that really big, yeah. <laughs> and so we made we made a section, and I think this one is not live yet. Um, but we made a, a a section that was just, you know, talking about the estheticians that were going to get on a call with you, and things like that. Or it's just, I think when you're in it, you almost forget. Like, oh, but I. I assumed that everyone knew or everyone read the small print on that page. It's like, no, you need to give it some space so that when people are scrolling, it's like they can see that that's the section is all about who's behind the phone. Yeah. So cool. So it's a process of understanding what does someone need to know and in what order. So what's most important for them to know first and then what they know after yeah. that. So is part of the design process, I would assume a lot of it is, eliminating some things that are maybe useless or, or just filler or whatever. And then, and then adding things that are really important. Um, what, what are, what are some of the mistakes you see people make as you look at web design or as you're, you're brought in on a project and you're going to, you know, help remake the homepage or just the whole shopping experience. What are some of the common mistakes you see? So I don't think it's so much about like removing or adding things because sometimes it's just reorganizing it. Got it. Or other times is that the copy is really phenomenal and well-written, but it's just laid out on a big block of text. And these days, people just want to scroll. They just want to adjust of it. I mean, they will read, um, but if, if it's a big block of text, they might they might get overwhelmed. So on that, there are two things. Uh, one is the most, is your type has to be very legible and easy to read. 
Um, and the main mistakes I see on that is uh, writing in all caps because you think that's going to get their attention. You know, like if I write in all caps, then they'll know that this is important information and they'll read it. But our brain actually takes longer to read text that is in all caps because we don't read, our brain doesn't read individual letters. It now, it starts to recognize shapes. Yep. And if it's in all caps, the shape is a rectangle. Yep. It yep. doesn't have like the ups and downs that like, you know, a P would go down, an L would go up and create yep. different yep. shapes. And the other thing is that I see is lines of text are too long. Wide, and so I would keep them to like 14 words per line. This is a quick fix, right? This is like a line of code that needs to change. That you can see now if your website has lines that are too long because our brain is going to go from left to right. But it, if the line is too long, it's going to take longer to come back and find it's the next line or, yep. or where it should be reading next. And these might seem like very little things, but um, subconsciously, you look at a block of text, and if it's not well laid out, following the best typo typography guidelines, your brain's going to say, "No, that's going to be hard." And you subconsciously, you're not going to read it. Yep, yep. The copy needs to be inviting. It needs to feel like it's going to be easy and scannable, and one of the things where people can yeah. kind of view it, view it in chunks, and and something will hopefully catch their eye and draw them in, and kind of the. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I heard as well, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, like the ragged right versus right justified, like having a block of text where everything is right and left justified is not as easy to read as the ragged right, if, 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 that, if, mm -hmm. if that's making sense. Yeah. Yeah. Short, yeah. short paragraphs versus long paragraphs at all. Even if it's the same copy, it's kind of like just makes it approachable, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like for the other thing that I was going to say, so there were two things. Uh, the second one was going to be scannable, which you touched on, oh, right? Yep, so yep. it needs to have clear titles, um, clear paragraphs. I almost like if, so if you're going to talk about the three benefits of your product, I wouldn't put them in three paragraphs. They'd almost create their own sections with their own photos so it can really breathe. So it's like you can't miss it when you're scrolling. Even if someone's scrolling very fast, they're going to see like a photo. They're going to read the title because it's a new section and they're going to intake that benefit. If you're going to title a section called our top three benefits, they might just scroll past it and not really take those in. Love that. And, and so on the... Um, like left justified, you know, uh, my typography teacher used to say centered type is for restaurant menus only because it's the same thing with the lines are too long is with centered type, you're always, your brain is taking longer to find its way. Like oh, where yes. does the next line start? Because it's no longer, I no longer have an anchor point. It's like, I really have to work out. Is it more towards the middle or towards the end? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Center type. <laughs> right. Uh, I just remember I had this note, and I don't know if there's a whole lot to add to this, but we you had mentioned when we were prepping about the Oscars fiasco, and uh, and I think it was uh, uh, what's the guy's name on Family Feud, a super funny guy, uh, but he he announced the wrong winner, right? And 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 going back to it, I mean, obviously maybe he could have read it better yes. but the, the design was bad like the, the, the fault was the design right it just was unclear yeah. 
Yeah. So Steve Harvey, it was Steve, Steve Harvey, Harvey at yeah, Miss yeah, Universe. Yeah. yeah. Cause the Oscars one also happened. It was just someone else. Uh, oh, right, 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 was, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so let me see if I can describe this. The card for Miss Universe said uh, second runner up in the top left corner, which is the first place you would read, right? You would read from top to bottom, left to right. Yep, so top yep. left corner, second runner up USA, first runner up Colombia. And in the bottom right, the last place you would read said Philippines. Miss, Miss Universe 2015 is Miss Philippines. And what um, Steve's brain would have read is he would have seen a number two, USA, number one, Colombia, and he called out Miss Colombia, which was first runner up. Got it. Got it. Yep. 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 And it could have been easily avoided if it was just top to bottom, one in big letters, (laughs) you know, Philippines, two, Colombia. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Did not set him up to win. Yeah. Yeah. We had fun redesigning those, those cards and showing (laughs) the audience how they should have been. Okay. Easy fix here, guys. And it's one of those things where, so, I mean, people piled on to Steve Harvey. I know it felt bad, but it's one of those things where, and that's very public and, and noticeable and humor, humorous now, and not humorous for any of those people, I guess. But, but we do the same thing. Like with our, with our design, we make it where someone's just confused. It may seem painfully obvious to us. You get to the page. These are the things that we're communicating, but it's not always obvious to the person. And uh, we we got to be aware of that and and design for for the user for sure. So. Yeah, I mean, I would love um, if more of us would, and we try to do this as much as we can, uh, which is to test uh, designs on fresh eyes. Yeah. So we we share we rent part of our offices to recruitment agencies, and before we're sending designs off to clients, we ask them, <laughs> like, can you come in here? Let let's just have your eyes look at this and and just have them tell us what do you see? What do you think this brand is about? What's coming up? And they'll they'll just as they're looking at it, tell us what what's coming up. What what assumptions are they making? You know, where do they think they need to click next? And that's that's something anyone can do, right? You could just yeah. grab anyone, <laughs> grab someone off the street. <laughs> you can test the design out. Yeah, and and I think it's always better. I'm not sure what your philosophy is, but usually don't set it up. You know, sometimes we we have someone, hey, come look at this site. Now, let me tell you what this brand is about. It's about this. And this is what we're trying right, to do. Like, yeah. better just here. Look at it. What yeah. are your first impressions? And don't because yeah. that's what mm-hmm. that's the way a lot of people are going going to visit your site without much context. And so, yeah, it should stand on its own two feet for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, good. Other, any other, I, I just thought of some things I want to go back to on product packaging in a minute because some stuff you'd mentioned before that was really good. So I want to go back to that. But before we do, any other thoughts, recommendations, suggestions on, on web design? That's a massive topic. But uh, other things people should be looking for, maybe visual confusion that someone should be looking for. Any other tips or thoughts or ideas? Well, so I I had started to say like our five-step recipe and to recap, the first one is strategy. The second one is brand identity. The third one is mapping the user experience, which we've kind of touched on now. Um, The fourth one is really like you're you're gathering your content. So I would say that um, for e-commerce, you know, the product photos Mm -hmm. and the photos you use throughout your website are key. And nowadays, there's almost no excuse to get this wrong. And you don't need a professional photographer to photograph your products. Maybe what you need is you can photograph it, you know, at home and then have 
with a decent camera and then have a professional Photoshop editor on Fiverr make it look like it was shot professionally. Because the editing, things that you can do in Photoshop now is phenomenal. And if not that, they can create, they can go on a, a website, a really good website for your audience Audience would be creativemarket.com. Creativemarket.com, okay. Yeah. Um, and you can buy all sorts of uh, Photoshop mock-ups, you know, mm-hmm. of any product that you like and just place your logo and just place your design and see what it looks like. Interesting. And a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, brands we help sometimes they're needing, like we helped uh, an e-commerce client with um, getting, um, submitting to a competition for Sephora and we had to submit the designs of the final pro- uh, product before the manufacturers could even make it because you didn't have the budget. And so we just go on creative market. We find the packaging that we want. They'll have all sorts of bottles. You could change the color of the bottle, sure, the color sure. of the cap, of the metallic, whatever. And, and yeah, you can go a really long way with those. So I think that there's no excuse nowadays not to have phenomenal imagery, um, especially if you sell on, on Amazon as well, right? Um, yes. Yes. You only get that one product image to capture someone to then click further. Yep, it's it's so important. And, and uh, just an interview with a gentleman uh, from a company called PickFu. They they help with kind of user testing and get feedback from from people. And it's a phenomenal site, but and service. He was talking about how you know they'll they'll use the service to kind of pick between two product images, and then once they release the winner, the winning product image. The results they can see, the difference in conversions is often phenomenal, and and I think we we often will look at a product photo and say, oh, that's good enough, like it's show it shows enough, it's fine, um, without thinking about hey, a, a, an optimized photo with the right colors and the right lighting and the right all, all that, which is not hard to do now. Like you can do that with filters on your iPhone, probably um, it can make a huge, huge difference. So. Um, I totally agree. Awesome. Okay. So where, where are we then in your five-step process? Let's keep this going. This is good. Yeah. And, and then, so the fifth one is like a bit anti-climate, but it's like just bring it all together in the website design. And, and I really like the analogy of like, give me five hours to cut down a tree and I'll spend four hours sharpening the ax. I think if you've spent enough time and strategy and getting really clear on like your colors, the brand identity and the user experience, and then getting those images then the process of a web designer bringing it together should be really easy and a no-brainer for them because by that time they would have known, you know, what colors to use, what fonts. The, the they have really good quality product images. They have a layout of like the wireframes and what should go on each page, and it should be very simple for them to execute. Makes a ton of sense, and I think a lot of this process is getting getting clarity, right? Getting clarity on on who we're speaking to what they need to know, what we're trying to present, how the images and the packaging and all that needs to go together. And, and I think if you don't take the time to decide that, if you don't take the time to get really crystal clear on that, then there's no chance of you executing properly. Everything's going to be disparate, right? Your, your website's mm-hmm. going to be different than your handouts and trade show backdrop's going to be different than... It's just hard to bring it all together if you don't, if you don't have that clarity for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, really good. Well, I, I want to go back... I want to circle back to product packaging because... You shared some stuff with me and when we were prepping and, and getting ready that, that I forgot to bring up now. And, and, and I'm a huge believer in product packaging. It's just, you know, I order a lot online now, one, because uh, 
shopper. I like to buy stuff like everybody else does. I, I do put it under the guise of research. You know, I'm researching this brand. Yeah. <laughs> I really just like to buy stuff. Um, but uh, what are some of your philosophies around product packaging? And you also talked about something, um, how packaging should engage all of the senses or engage, you know, more of the senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that um, an experience is going to be more memorable if you do have like a multi-sensory experience. And it, it reminds me, it goes back to the, the experiment with the color where you could smell a difference. But yeah, yeah. what if you could really smell uh, a difference in the packaging? You know, there's a lot of stores that they'll have their own scent as well to contribute to the experience, to lure people in, but also to when they're in there to enjoy it more um, and and just associate that smell to that Yeah, to that which I, and, and I heard, and this was in another interview that I did, and I'm struggling to remember who, who mentioned it, but some studies have been done that show that smell is very closely linked to memory. And and so so like creating this this lasting impression of your brand, if you can incorporate smell in some way, it's pretty powerful memory association uh, from, from what I understand. Yeah. And, and so, and that goes, um, then you can think about the other senses, right? Like um, our business cards, for example, they're a really rough paper. And that's the first thing, the first comment that I get when people hold them is like, Ooh, this feels different. And it's so simple. It's just a, a change in paper. Yep. Um, and so think again back to how you want them to feel. You know, if it's if it's like if you were creating a meditation gadget, you'd want the packaging to be really smooth. So you just want to stroke it, right, and so it right. like helps you relax. You know, how can you add more of your branding to the experience? Maybe you want it visually to be very soothing and calming. So you want it very minimalist and white. And then think of also the sound or how it opens. Like um, if you've ever opened an iPhone box, it just like that was really carefully thought about, like mm-hmm. how it's so smooth and it doesn't just like pop open. It just like slides. And and I think it's like playing playing with that and, and seeing how can you infuse your 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 brand and, and what you want people to feel into everything. Like maybe it's a really, if you're um, a supplement company and you're you wanting to create a, a brand that's really energetic, maybe you want like uh, a material that makes a lot of sound as you're unboxing, you know, or bubble wrap or you know, people love popping bu- bubble wrap, you know, so. <laughs> Brings great joy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that though. And I hadn't even thought about that, but I'm a huge uh, Apple user and um, just bought a new iPhone not long ago, but but yeah, that that process of opening the box, and I think they were one of the first to get it right in in the cell phone space, and now a lot of people uh, have kind of tried to copy them and stuff. But but yeah, you open the box, and it kind of there's like this little suction effect, and it opens, and the whole process is fun. And I think I think what that does, it, it adds to the the mindset of of Apple's maybe a little bit superior, a little bit better, right? If you're if you're creative and if you're smart and if you're whatever, like whatever we subconsciously tell ourselves, then you're going to buy Apple products. But I also think it maybe creates a little anticipation for the next time you buy the device, right? We, we enjoy that process of opening it. And I think it's, yeah. it's somewhere, somewhere in our subconscious that we, we want that again. When no, but it is. It. Like, now that I think about it, all of our Apple gear that we have for our office, the whole team want to be present for the, for the opening. Yeah. yeah. The unboxing is a big deal, and that—that's—that's—that's 
that's that's branding and that's you know it's it's super super smart so um really cool and, and so give a couple of other examples uh, we have a client wanderer bracelets they make these hand mm-hmm. handmade bracelets are handmade in bali and uh, their most popular one is uh, the coordinates bracelet and then you can put custom gps coordinates on it to uh, commemorate, you know, when you met your spouse or where you grew up or whatever. And so there, but their packaging is awesome. Like you get these bracelets and the, and the box is super cool, but it also comes with a little flag, like this little wanderer flag. And like the whole thing speaks to adventure and getting out and enjoying life and having something to commemorate. It's like, it's, it's super cool. Um, another client, this uh, original grain watches. I'm not sure I can, that way you can say it, but it's a wood grain watch. And so they're, their box that you open up to get the watch out is, is made of wood. It's got kind of their, mm-hmm. their logos like hard pressed into the wood. It almost looks like it's brand brand that are burned into the wood. It's really cool. Um, it's all reclaimed wood, which is a really cool story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, the, and there's another client and actually they've done really well and they're aware of this. I won't call them out, but their product is just a box, like a brown box. They throw the product in and there's paper around it like to keep it from getting damaged. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. This could be better if the experience was better, you know. And, they, and they're yeah. aware of it; they're working on it. But um, yeah. yeah, it's the little things. No, it's happen. like because it, I get it. Packaging is is expensive, and it can seem like an unnecessary expense. But you could imagine if, like, that extra dollar in packaging per product could mean that you could market your product your product for an extra five. Right. Right. I mean, wouldn't that be worth it? Yeah. Because increases the perceived value. Yep. Or, or, or maybe it, it, it increases your referral percentage by 10 or 15% mm-hmm. just because that, that experience is so wow. Or maybe it, maybe it motivates someone after they've seen it and it, it motivates someone to do an unboxing video where if it's really boring packaging, yeah. they're not going to do an unboxing video. So now they mm-hmm. do an unboxing video. Now that's posted online. Now that fuels more, more business and more growth. So obviously... So I, I want to... Sorry. I watch a lot of unboxing videos um, for makeup specifically because I think makeup nowadays, they go all out with with their packaging. And um, talk, referring back to the branding triad, when the three Vs aren't aligned, I have um, in, in one of these videos, she mentioned that there's this makeup brand that was trying to be all eco-friendly. And that's what they were saying in the copy. And that's the actions they were taking um, in like that they were giving back to a, a charity that was helping with uh, finding, you know, renewable resources. But then the, their packaging is all plastic. Mm. And so that's like a way that you can yeah. just misalign your brand completely and actually hurt your brand by trying to save money, maybe on packaging. Yeah. And, and then it could potentially create questions for the user being like, well, now do I even believe you? Do I believe that yeah, you're trying exactly. to do exactly. Then you're going to affect the trust. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. So that's awesome. Uh, well, Joanna, this has been a ton of fun. We could keep talking about this stuff for a long, long time. Uh, we're starting to kind of run out of time here. What, what, um, any, any resources you want to point people to any, um, any, any blog posts, or I don't know if you've got the TNC presentation somewhere where people can see it or any resources you can point people to, and, and then whether you have that or not, you know, how can people get in touch with you? 
Sure. So I, I don't know if I'm actually I should ask if I'm allowed to share the, the talk, but um, I'm happy to answer any questions on Instagram. I hang out there more than maybe I should, but I'm very responsive. So right. if anyone wants to ask me a question, uh, I'm, I'll be more than happy to answer it on there. My handle is Joanna Galveo Design. And then if you want um, a more in-depth, like I put my five steps into a PDF with a little bit more in-depth and there's like little pro tips for photography and other resources. I think I've shared the main ones, but if they want that, um, it's giftdesignstudios.com forward slash um, the digital one. One is uh, the number. The digital one. Great. And I'll link to all this in the show notes too. So if anybody doesn't catch it, you're driving whatever, you can always go to ecommerceevolution.com. I'll link to all of her, you know, to Instagram and, and to the resource and to the site. I'll link all that in the show notes as well. So, hey, I know, I know you're super busy, you know, now that you're famous and on stage and people see what you're capable of. It's going to be hard to work with you because you're so busy, but hey, people can download the resource, connect with you on Instagram and, and uh, uh, then hopefully you'll have some openings uh, that people can take advantage of. So um, good. Well, hey, really, it's really appreciate like, it. Could be, it could be busier, you know, like okay, I, I wouldn't want good. to scare anyone off from getting in contact. <laughs> <laughs> so try it is basically the, the advice. <laughs> Give it a shot. Reach out to Joanna. Uh, I've seen her work firsthand, obviously, as you have listened to this, it's become very, very obvious. She knows what she's doing and creates very memorable and effective work, not just a designer, but understanding how design impacts emotion and buying and, and all of that. So really cool. Mm -hmm. Well, Joanna, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming it's on. We'll pleasure. have to do it Thank again. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. Very good. So again, we'll link to everything in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, if you have design needs, certainly talk to Joanna. And uh, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback. So would you like to hear more of any show ideas? I'm open to them. We'd also love your review on iTunes. If you're so inclined, it helps other people discover the show. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.